Welcome to Leadership Matters with Dr. Cheryl G. This is your forum for exploring and discussing challenges that are faced by public and nonprofit leaders. And now, here's Dr. G. Good afternoon, and thank you for tuning in to Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. I'm Cheryl G., and I bring you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California. With us today, we have Terry Howard of FEI Behavioral Health uh, based there in Milwaukee, also from Milwaukee, we have Ian. Ian, please say your last name for me. Bautista. Bautista with yes, United ma'am. Neighborhood Centers of America. And then our associate producer, Valerie Wright, with Right Ideals Unlimited, based in West Palm Beach, Florida. Thank you all for being with us today. It's my pleasure. Thank yeah, you, thank you for having me. Yes, great. And today we really, I'm, uh, I'm delighted because all three of our guests um, as well as our, I should say, both of our guests as well as our associate producer are all facilitators with the advance that's going to be held here in San Diego, California, November the 14th through November the 17th. And so I'm um, say really excited to have this pre-conversation with each of you. Our topic for today is bridging differences and having difficult conversations. So... With that, um, Valerie, I'm going to just um, maybe volley it over to you and ask you to get us started with some of the questions received from our listening audience. All right. Thank you, Dr. G. Um, Our first question comes from Sylvia in Wisconsin. Uh, Her question is, is there a difference between a diverse workplace and an inclusive workplace? If so, what makes them different? Also, is one preferred over the other? Oh, I think that's a wonderful question, Sylvia. Thank you Absolutely. so much. And um, I certainly have my thoughts on that. Terry or Ian, you want to add anything, or Valerie, before I jump in on that one? Um, sure. I w- oh, go ahead. I, I can start um, by saying uh, one of the things that I'm responsible for is helping helping companies. Uh, come up with di- diversity policy, um, and as part of that, that means they uh, are, do not discriminate against uh, individuals and accept all employees in terms of having a diverse population. Uh, in terms of being inclusive, I think that means a more active um, uh, situation in a workplace where they actually do things that um, create an inclusionary environment, such as trainings, such as awareness, such as protocol um, that is embedded in the culture of the company. Wonderful. Thank you, Terry. Anything you'd like to add, Ian? Uh, Yes, uh, Dr. G. I definitely would like to add something, and especially timely uh, today as the Supreme Court is hearing the case from the University of Texas about affirmative action. Um, here you have a university, uh, it's an organization just like a workplace is, that's trying actively to be inclusive uh, and include um, historically underrepresented racial groups uh, like Latinos and African Americans uh, in their student body. Um, you know, it's, it's interesting. Diversity can happen just simply by the law of averages uh, and because of the statistics and the composition of our demography here in the United States in any workplace, but an inclusive workplace is one, uh, I have to agree with Terry, you know, that uh, is a place that welcomes, that actively celebrates and acknowledges the culture, 
the sexual orientation, the ages, uh, all of the, the beauty uh, that is the diversity of their employees and their associates, uh, and does that in an active manner. So I think Terry was right on the money, um, and it's especially uh, you know kind of a thorny topic right now. Uh, we don't know what the Supreme Court is going to say. I definitely have my opinions about um, whether or not we agree that affirmative action and similar type uh, activities are the right strategy to in- increase the diversity or actively become an inclusive uh, student body, uh, workplace, or, or other organizational composition. Um, but it's, uh, it's a great topic to have, so I'm excited to be in this conversation. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. And then, uh, Valerie, anything you'd like to say before I jump in here? Yes, I would add, um, actually ditto what both Ian and Terry said. I would also say in terms of inclusive, there is um, an intentional effort to ensure voices are heard, that um, opportunities are without barriers for every person in the workplace, and where there are barriers, the uh, company, the corporate corporation, seeks ways to ensure that those barriers are minimized and that um, individuals are not hindered and hampered in their access to opportunities and um, their ability to move up and to be productive in the workplace because you can have, as Ian said, a very diverse workplace, but there is no inclusion. It doesn't look and respond and um, function in a way that represents all the voices and uh, uh, diverse people that are in there. So I think that's important. And I think if there's a preference, which was the last part of Sylvia's question, um, what what's the, the preferred workplace is a diverse workplace that has a very inclusive culture. And I think that that is where the organizations seek in their recruitment and hiring practices to um, select across a broad array of differences, whether it's race, whether it's disabilities, whether it's um, socioeconomics, and then when they bring those individuals into the workplace that they see, um, they make every effort to make sure those individuals feel welcome and a part of that organization's culture. Yeah, no, wonderful. Thank you. I appreciate, uh, Sylvia, the question, and each of you, I appreciate your voices on the on answering that. So I think very clearly we've um, communicated that uh, diversity really does refer to the differences that uh, people bring to the workplace, and it's, uh, it's very often diversity efforts may center around being able to recruit, acknowledge, and appreciate differences and inclusion takes it to that next level of really figuring out how do we ensure that everyone feels as if they belong, they feel supported, and they feel like they can do those things that Valerie talked about with regards to having that voice and contribute to the um, business or organizational goals, uh, which then allows them to also do their best work. So um, wonderful question, and I think that it's, um, as Ian said, just very ripe uh, for today's moment and where we are even in our history. It's one thing to have differences at the table, and those differences, again, can be anything from personality differences to um, discipline differences or ethnicity differences, racial differences, gender differences, but it's really how do we actually take all that and do what we're talking about today with regards to bridge across those differences to create a space of inclusion or all 
the voices can come to the table and be heard and uh, leveraged for the benefit of the whole. Uh, fabulous. Uh, Valerie, do you have another question? I have a question from Mildred in Florida who says, what are some practices I can put into place that will produce a more inclusive work environment? Okay. Great. Love that, Mildred. Thank you for your question. Um, anyone have any thoughts they want to share? Or do you want me to jump in there? Um, I can tell you that in terms of best practices, what we've been seeing with companies around the United States is the formation of employee resource groups, ERGs, where um, groups of individuals come together and create awareness programming for the rest of the company. And that may be through brown bag lunches. It may be through um, programming um, events for particular months, like African uh, American History Month uh, or Hispanic Awareness Month. Um, so these resource groups are created by leadership um, on a volunteer basis from individuals throughout the workplace, and they seem to be quite effective with getting the message out around diversity and inclusion. Mm-hmm. Wonderful. Thank you. Ian or um, Valerie, anything you'd like to add? Valerie, I defer to you first. Okay. Um, I think several things. One is um, within the workplace, as a manager, and this person didn't identify, but I think there has to be an inclusive culture created, and part of that is um, provide a space for individual differences and needs to be identified. We have people, you know, in the workplace who don't show up as they truly are um, because we haven't made that space. They don't feel comfortable showing their true colors. I think we have to provide a space for that. I think we have to um, make sure that there's a respect for individuals' rights and their differences, um, and, and we have to cultivate that respect. I, um, I, would, I think some of this inclusive uh, practices come through training, uh, you, you know, diversity training, cultural competency training, and I think it's how you design your work group so that people work in teams where there are people that are different from them. So they, they're forced, if you will, into a situation to learn and to open up and to um, have to deal with differences. And I think we have to encourage people, our team, um, both our colleague and those who report to us, um, we have to ask them to think about their attitudes toward others, and that's, that's one of the things you use, Dr. G, is model, support, and reward mm-hmm. that behavior as it influence, uh, to get it influenced within the workplace. So I would say those things are um, critical to creating that, the, that inclusion we're talking about. Mm-hmm. Yes, great. Ian, did you have any thoughts that you wanted sure. to add? The person who posed the question's name is Mildred, right? Right. Uh, yes. So, so Mildred, what I would say, um, I, I'm a I'm a community organizer at heart, <laughs> and I, I think one of the the uh, most effective principles or, or strategies uh, utilized in community building work uh, is to gather over food, and I think that can be a very organic process. And what I would suggest is that, uh, to the extent possible you invite um, your diverse workplace to express itself. Um, 
in, in the most healthy way possible, you know, using, uh, uh, you know, good food and, and the most uh, healthy <clears throat> Uh, ways of uh, preparing and possibly you can use it as a as a, as a way to introduce uh, health and wellness as well but to encourage people to celebrate and to share uh, moments together over breaking bread and I think that's particularly useful for drawing everybody in regardless of you know what culture they come from uh, or any other element of diversity uh, and that can seem very simple but you can be purposeful with how you gather and how you facilitate the conversations and dialogue and, and kind of the, the community building, like I said, the shared space that, that uh, food uh, serves as a leaven uh, to create. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. And I think that, you know, I want to just um, maybe share a definition of inclusion um, because I think with that, because we're getting so many questions around what is an inclusive work environment or can you what can help us to produce one, want to just, again, um, target in on that. Here's one uh, from one of our clients. It says, an environment in which everyone belongs, feels supported, is comfortable, contributing to the business goals, and in doing his or her work. And when they really look at an inclusive work environment um, and what to do, some of the behaviors that we want to see practiced on a day-to-day basis is simply listening, acknowledging and respecting differences, inclusive problem-solving, providing opportunity to all, and then welcoming others. And so I think one of the prerequisites to that inclusive environment really is about having the right attitude. So it's about being respectful, open, and curious with regards to learning about the others. Stay tuned. I want to say a little bit more on this topic. looks like we need to go to break. So we'll be right back with more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at InnoVisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You 
You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. And today we are talking about bridging differences and having difficult conversations. With us today to help us have this conversation, we have Terry Howard. Terry, what is your position with FEI? I'm a senior director. Okay, senior director with FEI Behavioral Health, again located in Milwaukee. And Ian, uh, what's your director, um, Ian? I mean, what's your director? You're the executive director there, Ian? Uh, the president, sure. You are the president, okay, of United Neighborhood Centers of America. That's uh, Again, out of uh, Milwaukee. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then uh, Valerie, who brings us the perspective from West Palm Beach, Florida, with Right Ideals Unlimited. So thank you all for joining me and having this conversation. And as I mentioned in our opening, um, each of you are also, I mean, really excited that you're joining us to have a conversation on um, this fabulous topic as it relates to our advance, the Cultural Competence Academy for leaders that are being held, I say the advance is being held in San Diego, California. So looking forward to seeing each of you in November and hoping that a number of our um, callers and emailers and listeners on this topic will also join us for that forum. Now, I say iron sharpens iron, and an important part of that uh, forum on the advance is really getting as many perspectives in the room and being able to have a rich conversation. So, Valerie, with that, I want to throw it back over to you and see if you have any other questions from our listening audience. I do have a question from Jerry in Wisconsin. Jerry says, I work for a nonprofit that serves an extremely diverse population of young people. However, I don't think our internal culture is inclusive in a way that all the voices reflect the clients and that all voices reflect the clients. They aren't being heard with regard to how we can better serve our clients. Hmm. Okay. And so, um, so Jerry's question with that, I hear that as a statement. Oh, Valerie, what's the, what is the, what is the question that Jerry has? The last, what is, um, I didn't hear the question piece. I did hear the situation that it sounds like the environment, um, the population that they serve, it is not necessarily reflected in the staff. Mm-hmm. And there's a concern that voices aren't being heard, right? In regards to how to how do you better serve your clients if they're if the internal culture isn't inclusive and reflect the clients that you serve? Okay, so I I think that um, you know say certainly there's a uh, space there to kind of think about their recruiting process and maybe doing a better job of reflecting the client that they serve. And I also think that we can bridge differences. And so developing the cultural competence of their staff is one thing that comes to mind as well. And I'll say a little bit more about that, but um, Ian or um, Terry or Valerie, any thoughts you might have to share with Jerry? 
And normally I defer to, to ladies first, but in this particular circumstance, since Jerry's calling from a, a nonprofit organization, I'd like to see if uh, you would allow me the indulgence of, uh, of maybe taking the first uh, answer to this. Oh, yeah, please uh, go for Dr. it. G. Um, so, you know, the, um, the, the history and the values and culture of the UNCA, the United Neighborhood Centers of America Network, is rooted in settlement houses. And um, settlement houses were, were created uh, by kind of upper middle class, uh, educated folk like Jane Addams and Lillian Wald, 100, 125 years ago here in the United States. So arguably they didn't know a whole lot about the neighbors uh, with whom they worked in, you know, on the Lower East Side of Manhattan or the near west side of, of Chicago or even certain parts of town, uh, you know, where neighborhood houses, where, where Dr. G um, works out of as well in San Diego. Um, but they took time and they listened, and they, they brought with them uh, to their work a, a culture of working with neighbors and working with what you know Jerry's referring to as the clients uh, of the nonprofit, the young people with whom they work. Um, I would encourage Jerry and other listeners to really look at a, a very principled approach to community development, which I think is applicable not only to nonprofit organizations but to any organization that is part of a community, which, in, in my humble opinion, <laughs> means the entire universe of. Uh, organizations, nonprofit, for-profit, and, and otherwise public sector, um, it, it called asset-based community development. And asset-based community development, uh, as a as a framework, was really um, well developed by two gentlemen, Jody Kretzman and John McKnight, who now are the co-directors of the Asset-Based Community Development Institute uh, down in Evanston, Illinois, at uh, Northwestern University. And I won't get into all of the details there, but, you know, if you're looking to create a very inclusive and um, kind of organic and indigenous culture to the community uh, that you're a part of, uh, I would say that's a good set of principles and a good framework to start with. So, Jerry, you know, since you're in Wisconsin, if you're ever in the Milwaukee area, I'm sure Terry and I would love to spend time with you, learn about your work and, um, you know, kind of um, see if there are ways that we can learn from you and then provide some of the experiences that we've had to, to bring to bear to improve the, the culture uh, and the responsiveness to the authentic voices of the young people with whom you work. Okay, great. Thank you. Any other thoughts with regards to it? And, we'll, and I'm thinking we can answer Jerry's question relative to um, working with the with young folks, you know, with our youth or young adults, but I think this can also be expanded to how might this be bridged uh, just in general when you have a workforce that's not reflective of the of the population that they're serving. Any thoughts that either of you, Terry or Valerie, would like to um, add? Or I'll jump in there uh, once you've had a chance to do so. So I just want to create a space. I, I mm-hmm. would echo what Ian is saying and expand on what Dr. G has said and suggest that many um, individual employees within workforces feel the exact same way. So uh, whether it is nonprofit or profit, I think there are individuals that feel 
either misrepresented or uh, ill-represented in some cases within the workforce. And so I think, you know, uh, going back to uh, an old phrase that my mother used to say all the time is we have two ears and one mouth for a reason, um, is to take the time to listen to the constituency that you are trying to serve, whether it's uh, your employees or clients or customers, and, and, and hear what their needs are to be able to better serve them. Mm-hmm. Great. Thank you. Valerie, anything you would like to add? Sure. I would say to Jerry, and I don't know his role in the organization, but I think Jerry can be very instrumental in making sure that those voices are heard. Um, sometimes internally we have to um, have our own organizing, and I think that's what you were saying, Ian, is that within the organization, organize those voices that do reflect the clients to be heard and to be powerful and to be impactful uh, in how clients are served and providing information and data that um, will change the way the clients are served, that uh, they have to be a collective in terms of ensuring that the issues and the concerns that they know aren't being addressed get put on the table in a way that can be heard, in a way that can um, be impactful to internal policies and practices and how you go after grants and how you design programs. I think that also requires, like you, Ian, I worked with the asset-based organizing here in Palm Beach County and used the same model and uh, I am also an organizer at heart, so I totally uh, ditto what you said and and think that they have to be intentional internally about organizing how they impact the clients. Yes, and and I appreciate the perspective that each of you are bringing and want to um, also just underscore to Jerry the importance of staff increasing their own cultural competence so that they have the attitude that really supports them in understanding that differences do make a difference. Mm-hmm. And um, and so part of that journey um, in becoming more culturally competent is about, um, yes, the skill that um, Ian talked about with regards to the skill of listening. And, you know, I'll say uh, from the attitude we go to developing the knowledge and the understanding, part of the knowledge and the understanding can come from our observations, maybe studying the language, do, having some formal um, conversations about differences, looking at different populations. Sometimes it's actually immersing ourselves into the culture, really getting engaged in the culture. But in any of those, the skills for acquiring that cultural knowledge is listening, it's paying attention, it's carefully observing, it's really trying to increase understanding by asking questions and by probing for information and doing our own analysis and comparing and contrasting with our own culture, not thinking that our way of seeing it and doing it is the right way, but understanding and having some flexibility regarding um, options that might work better based on there being some individual or some cultural differences. So, again, um, just some thoughts with regards to bridging differences can be done. Uh, When people are working effectively across differences, it starts with establishing a rapport. Rapport is about trust and credibility. So how do we work across differences in a way that allows us to communicate trust, which is about do you have my best interest at heart, and credibility, which is about do you understand where I'm coming from, is really where we want to start 
that journey first because that then opens the uh, the relationship with regards to establishing a rapport so that more can be done on that journey together. Um, any other uh, thoughts that anyone would like to share for Jerry or with Jerry? I would just say listen to Terry's mother. She's a very wise woman. So say, listen, <laughs> listen twice as much as you uh, that you speak. Yeah. <laughs> Wonderful. Well, I do hear the cue coming in indicating that we need to transition um, to another break. Terry and Ian, I know you need to transition off the phone during this break time, but I appreciate your coming by and spending some time just sharing your thoughts with us. It was my pleasure. Thank Dr. you. Yes, thank you. And please stay with us. We'll be more. We'll be back, I'd say, with more. Uh, Valerie will be with us still um, sharing your questions, and we'll be responding to them and hopefully um, living up to that which we endeavor to do, and that is informing our leaders and inspiring solutions. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Leadership Matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. Need to improve leadership, staff, or organization performance? Contact InnoVisions today for quality, effective, and affordable leadership, staff, and organization development training, coaching, and consulting services. Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. Stock prices plunging, home prices receding, and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. And uh, Valerie, glad to have you still on the line with me. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. <laughs> Good to see you. Yes, and we're going to continue on our conver- with our conversation on bridging differences and having difficult conversations, really responding to questions on those topics that we've received. Um, so next question, Valerie. Our next question comes from Martin in California. And Martin says, as a manager in a a major corporation, 
I would like to encourage my team members to mix more across differences, especially racial differences. What are some steps I might take to encourage this to happen organically? I don't want to force relationships. I don't want to force relationships, but I would like to see more interaction among team members in a way that will positively impact how the group think, how the group thinks. Okay. Mm-hmm. I kind of broke that up. You I hope you got it, Dr. G. I I, um, I got it to some extent. Martin, thank you so much for your question. <laughs> Sounds like maybe people might do what they naturally do, and that is um, sometimes we will um, see people grouping based on similarities. And I think that that can be a natural thing that that happens. And sometimes if there is a grouping based on similarities, it's not because there's not a desire to mix with others that aren't different as much as, um, a desire to maybe have a relationship with someone that it's easier to establish what we said right before we went to break, and that is a rapport. And I may, it might be easier for me to establish a rapport with you if I uh, see and note, or say see and note a similarity in you. I might um, have an easier time trusting you. I might have an easier time thinking that you get me or that you understand where I'm coming from. So, um, so that just happens. How how this manager might go about really um, supporting more engagement across differences is, I think, a really um, uh, I think a good thing to ponder. And I have some thoughts, Valerie. Is there anything you'd like to share first, um, Dr. G? I've read an article recently, um, and I when this question came up, I googled that article. Um, and it's called Race Talk in the Workplace, Unraveling Intention and Impact, and it's by um, Dr. Deborah Plummer. And in, within the article, she gives about ten methods for increasing effective race talk. And um, she, she says um, that it's, it's to help you increase your skill in communicating across racial differences as a mean of enhancing diversity competency. Um, so the first thing she says is to learn the value of a variety of opinions and thoughts. So having more than your own perspective when you approach conversations and others and individuals, which, you know, in any, whether it's someone of the same, we want to approach our conversation, our relationships from an openness. Yeah, um, and I'm going to have you pause as we go through these. Cause sure, I think these absolutely. Are, I'm not even sure what you're going to say. But, okay, um, yes. <laughs> but I'm going to um, dance a little bit with you on these. Yes, uh, I, love I love that it. one because it's learned the value of. And, um, and, and I think what's real important there is because if I go into, part of going back to the attitude, if I mm-hmm. approach someone as thinking I'm better than or thinking I really have the answer or mm-hmm. um, with any type of, arrogance, mm. I'm not going to be able to connect with them. If I, I think that. I have the answer and I don't value others' opinions, I'm not going to ask for them. So I love that first piece with regards to just learn the value of. I just wanted to underscore that. Yes. Thanks. Yes. Thanks, Valerie. Yes, What's that's her second great. step? Mm-hmm. And then the second says recognize the challenges and learning opportunities that new perspectives bring. Where there is discomfort, there is learning. If we stay with the discomfort long enough, 
So I love that, too, because we often, the moment we hit something new and it makes us feel discomfort or it challenges us in ways that we don't know what to do with, we quickly disconnect. And I think that we have to, in order to move beyond our own um, perspectives and our own little corner, we have to be open and stay with the discomfort of having conversations, particularly around race, because we don't know what hot buttons are often or we're afraid we're going to hit a hot button, and so we, we don't open ourselves to that new conversation and to go past the discomfort. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm, um, I'm loving that, too, and I, and I do want to say sometimes when something strikes us, it's real important to understand and know that that which struck me as it relates to that created a discomfort may really be more about some unfinished, um, unsettled something within me than the other person. So kind of learn from the discomfort that gets produced is another thing I'd like to welcome us to do. And then recognize the challenge in learning opportunities. Again, I think it really speaks to, as you're saying also, Valerie, um, you know, sometimes if it's different than it's always been, mm-hmm. um, some people readily embrace that, but others may shut it down. Right. Okay. Right. And so really being open to and valuing not only the um, the difference, but recognizing that it's going to be a little challenging. So I right-size my expectations. Right. I right-size my expectations that if I'm going to be at the table with differences, I have to spend some time processing. So I can't say I want people to come in and hear from them, and then I don't leave enough time to hear. So right. if I don't recognize the challenge, I don't plan for the challenge, and then we set ourselves up for failure in the process because we didn't leave enough time to hear differences. We only left enough time to hopefully get people to validate what we were thinking. Yes, okay. and I think um, I would highlight the word you use, process. Mm-hmm. This This thing is a process in mm-hmm. terms of, how we learn and accept others into our world and 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 ask that we be welcomed into theirs is a process. The first couple of conversations may be difficult and tough, but our our humanity and our own curiosity about the other person what's what's behind that door should allow us to stay long enough to get past the discomfort yeah, and I want to stay here for again just for another moment and say that mm-hmm. there is a process for working across differences and being collaborative. And it starts with creating space for understanding. Yeah. So um, in that process of creating space for understanding, it's a dialogue. And the energy is about help me understand your view, your perspective. I want you to understand my view and perspective. And we're not trying to persuade each other. The moment we begin to try to persuade, then there becomes more tension in the room. Okay, but if we can start the journey with simply creating space for understanding, and that's what we say and we set up this conversation about whatever the difference is. It could be the difference on how to proceed with the project. It could be the difference as relates to racial tension. It could be the difference yeah. as relates to whatever. But create space for understanding the players at the table and the perspectives and the values and what is needed. And then move to um, brainstorming. How you, you know, options for moving forward, brainstorming options for resolution uh, would be the second step in that process and making sure everyone's in the same space and we name where we are in the process so that you're not trying to see closure while I'm trying to create space for understanding because then we have tension just in how we're processing. So let's yes. remove the tension and process together. 
creating space for understanding. I'm going to hear everyone's voice. Maybe we do a roundtable. After we hear from each person, then we go back and say, okay, what might we do? How might we bridge these differences? How might we move forward? How might we resolve or solve this? And then together, after we've put everything out there without judgment, we just put it out there initially, then we move to evaluating and seeking closure. But then we're in the same space or to say in the same place in the process that it allows us to move through that difference in a more um, effective way. So I love that with regards to recognizing the challenge and the learning opportunity because if I recognize the challenge, that means I'm right-sizing my expectation. Mm -hmm. That is not going to necessarily be an easy thing to do without setting up an appropriate time and process to make it happen. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fabulous. What's our next step? The next is to base your expectations of others on individual qualities and traits rather than on racial group identity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love it. So just not allowing yourself to be ran by stereotypes. Exactly. Yeah. And I, I think and in my own experiences, mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to racial tension with others, that the moment I can identify a person as an individual and not the race of people, mm-hmm. It opens the conversation to a whole nother level in terms of hearing them, receiving what they have to say, uh, just being open to what's ahead. Right. And, you know, and I would um, echo that. And, um, you know, sometimes the trigger is not so much the skin tone, because when we talk about race, race is about skin right. tone. There are a lot mm-hmm. of differences, but this difference that you're talking about right now is race. What comes along with that, I might say, well, I don't really have an issue with black people, but I have an issue with people who don't have, um, you know, can't speak mm-hmm. uh, standard English. Right. And, um, and so maybe if someone says that instead of this, or if their now and their verb don't match, Mm-hmm. So I, I think they're ignorant. Or maybe right. they have an accent and they're from another country, and I think they don't understand well, or i got to slow down too much to understand them. All those little biases stop us from really being able to hear where the other person is saying because we have judgments that can come into place. So whether it's that, you know, that um, person who grew up in the South and, you know, Persons who, a lot of time, African Americans, particularly growing up in the South, African descendants, Africa, they didn't have the th sound. So, saying this and that were common, and so um, didn't hear growing up the t sound. So they may not enunciate words the same. And again, if I allow myself to think, well, just because they speak a little different, they're not intelligent. Then I'm going to also be not listening or not hearing potentially to what it is they have to say. So even stopping ourselves from those types of biases right, can right. be real important to really being able to maximize and benefit from each other. Absolutely. I totally agree, Dr. G. And then we have the next one is seek out ways to personally and professionally develop diversity competencies. We often say cultural um, take a class, watch a video, read a book on racial issues. And I think this gets back to what we talked about earlier, Dr. G, creating that space for understanding. And understanding comes, from knowledge comes understanding. I think I hear the cue. 
Yes, we absolutely do. So we're going to put a, a, a we'll just not a not a period, but a comma there. Come back and hear the rest of what you're saying in the rest of what that source that you will have you name that source again. Too, I think it's a fabulous source. Yes, so stay I with do. us. We'll be right back with more on leadership matters, informing leaders, inspiring solutions. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network leadership matters is brought to you by InnoVisions. need to improve leadership staff or organization performance contact InnoVisions today for quality effective and affordable leadership staff and organization development training coaching and consulting services Call 858-244-8264. That's 858-244-8264. Or email Dr. G at dr.g at innovisions.org. InnoVisions is a social enterprise of the Neighborhood House Association of San Diego. Funds raised go to support the Neighborhood House Association's mission, developing children, families, and future leaders of our communities through empowerment, education, and wellness. Hey, did you know Voice America has partnered with the Kidstar Network to expand their reach through Voice America Kids? Voice America Kids will feature talk radio for kids, by kids, along with special event programming and live broadcasts. Each program is conveniently archived for on-demand listening at any time. Please check our archives for the latest events and happenings on voiceamericakids.com. Zoom Leadership. It's the big picture issues of the day, up close and personal capabilities of leadership, and a desirable future of constant renewal. Zoom Leadership. It's the economic crisis made clear, patterns and perspectives of leadership, and the importance of changing the way we pursue our future. Join host John Schmidt every Monday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time. Zoom Leadership. An inside look at what's really going on in business, government, and civil society. Tune in every week on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are listening to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. If you have a question or comment about today's program, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to dr.g at innovisions.org. Now, back to Leadership Matters with Dr. G. And we're back with more on Leadership Matters, bringing you greetings from the Neighborhood House Association in San Diego, California, and West Palm Beach, Florida. Right Ideals Unlimited, Ms. Valerie. Right. Thank you for being on the line. Thank you, Dr. G. Enjoying the conversation. I am, too. Can you name that source again? And then we can continue to have you share a little bit about what, you're, what you discovered there. Sure. The, um, it's an article that was printed in OD Practitioner. Um, it's entitled Race Talk in the Workplace, Unraveling Intention and Impact. And it's was written by Dr. Deborah Plummer. Uh, she's a psychologist and the director of diversity management program at Cleveland State. All right, thank you. Fabulous, wonderful, wonderful source. Yes, excellent mm-hmm. information in here. So we were talking about. Um, she has ten um, methods for increasing effective. Well, ten 
things, uh, 10 ways that you can increase effectiveness across racial lines. And um, number four, which we were discussing, seek out ways to personally and professionally develop diversity competency. Take a class, watch a video, read a book on racial issues. So I, I started by saying this gets back to the heart of what you talked about, the process, uh, creating a space for understanding. And part of understanding is having the knowledge, having background about the person you're talking to beyond the individual, understanding the entire racial group that the person belonged to, but not necessarily applying everything to the individual, understanding what have may have impacted that, who that person has become, um, just understanding who that person is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Valerie, you know what really uh, excites me about this year's forum that's coming up on the advance? Mm-hmm. I am looking forward to... Um, the race matters piece on each of those pieces, be it the Native American, the Asian American, the African American, the globalization, I think uh, the European American, all of them I think will bring a rich perspective and set off a rich yes. dialogue uh, for our forum and create just that, you know, a, a very um, well-developed um, knowledge uh, or to say at least begin the journey. I don't think we ever get there of increasing our knowledge on the various populations that are um, here and, you know, the United States as well as abroad. And, and even though that piece is more around race uh, and ethnicity, we understand that the skills are very um, transferable when we begin to to apply um, those same steps to bridging other differences, be it um, gender or religion or yada yada. Exactly. personality, because I know we talk about it at the events, you know, personality, what's personality, what's personality got to do with it, mm-hmm. and um, it has a lot to do with cultural competence as well with regards to our own ability to self-manage. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And I go back to something Ian talked about in terms of being an organizer at heart. Um, I worked both for a group here in West Palm Beach, oh, God, over 14 years ago, uh, called Partnership for Neighborhood Initiatives, and I also worked for the Jacobs Family Foundation, and my work was on the ground in communities. And part of what I did in both in my work in both of those places was to, um, because I, in both I had responsibility for training uh, and developing community leaders and that whole piece, we, we had actually had days where, it was all about one group that was a part of that community, learning their language, their culture, their rituals, understanding their symbols, and that was the greatest uh, unifier out of all the the things that we did in terms of trying to bring community of uh, them bringing themselves together. We just facilitated process, but. It was their own willingness and desire to learn more about their neighbor from a broader perspective, and I, it was just really rich. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. So, Valerie, I'm going to ask you, do we have any other questions um, so that we can honor, making sure we speak to those, and then uh, if not, we'll go back to the list. Any other questions from our listening audience? I, I do have one other question, Dr. Okay. G, and it's from Johnson in New Mexico. Okay, let's go and, ahead and go there. Mm-hmm. Okay, Johnson asks, what is the economic impact to companies that do not work to create an inclusive workforce? 
Oh, great question, Johnson. I think it's excellent, yes. Yeah. Any thoughts you want to start with, Valerie, then I'll add my... Um, so well, that, I'd, I'd start by saying I don't know the dollar amount, um, but the M- companies that <clears throat> have um, worked to create an inclusive culture in their organizations tend to have better profits, their workers um, enjoy coming to work more, there's a, a better um, work energy for employees, um, there's more openness in terms of relation to clients or to um, customers, in whichever you use or address. And I think it just creates um, a better citizen of the corporation when they have um, to work to develop an inclusive work culture. Mm-hmm. No, I agree wholeheartedly. I think that that's the positive side of the dollar, Johnson, mm-hmm. with regards to really being able to leverage what gets brought. I think the other side is when cultures don't do that, or when companies don't do that and, and the environment is not inclusive, then you get people who are resentful sometimes with regards to their voice not being heard, marginalized, which doesn't lead to being able to maximize. These hurt and bad feelings can result in EOIC complaints with regards to um, discrimination, whether I, whether my claim is is supported or not supported, if I don't feel I've been treated fairly and I file a um, discrimination, mm-hmm. um, or you know, based on whatever the violation might be in my eyes, you still have to defend that. So there's energy and time. Um, if it gets to the point where it's, we're going to actually be sued, the person has the right to sue. Then we have um, attorney fees and so on and so forth. And that's not even to begin the process of saying, you know, if it's found to be supported and you have um, damages awarded based on that. And then certainly you have conflict when there's not an inclusive culture. Communication is not as clear. People aren't as tolerant in listening. So you have more conflict. And conflicts unresolved can lead to a lot of um, losses associated with psychosomatic symptoms, be it, you know, um, that back pain that was a little bit of a nag now becomes major, that neck pain that was a little bit of a nag now becomes major, my wrists that were a little bit of a nag now becomes major because I'm carrying more stress in my body or because I just need to get out of there. And what stands in my mind is some way of escaping. And it may, necess- not, may not necessarily be that I consciously say my back is hurting more and i got to go, but it may become what becomes the focus because it allows me to get out of what feels like maybe a um, environment I don't want to be in. So the cost can show up with um, in a very positive way, Johnson, with adding to the bottom line. It can also be something that distracts from the bottom line if it's not uh, managed and we end up with... Um, workers' compensation, long-term disability, um, EUIC, you know, complaints mm-hmm. or claims. I, mm-hmm. Yeah. I think also, Dr. G, I will take your in- employee conflict. That piece also um, impacts the cost of productivity. Employees who are not working well together are not performing well because mm-hmm. they're dealing with emotional issues and back and forth and so to work is not the focus of their time at work. Absolutely. It's dealing with that conflict. Then there's also sabotage. Like we got a transition off. Of okay. Our, like I hear the um, cue for us to transition. Yeah. So Val, let me have you go on to put a final thought as we transition out. Sure. I think it also leads to turnover, as you alluded with um, employee health issues. Mm-hmm. But 
employees just get enough and they leave, and we know that cost of training, mm-hmm. uh, onboarding employees, all the things we do to get employees into the organization and the cost to pay them Absolutely. as they leave the organization. Great. So, mm-hmm. Thank you so much, Valerie. And thank you, Johnson, thank you. for your question. And I'm going to invite our listening audience to please log on to www.theadvance.org. Again, that's www.theadvance.org and learn more about the Cultural Competence Academy for Leaders that's going to be held in San Diego. Thank you so much uh, for tuning in. Stay with us next week. Join us again at 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time for more on Leadership Matters, Informing Leaders, Inspiring Solutions. Thank you again for tuning in. Leadership Matters with Dr. G is broadcast live every Wednesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Have a wonderful week and make your leadership matter.